0: to Align and Hustle. I'm your host, Kathy Spence, photographer, entrepreneur, and brand strategist. Each week, I will bring you inspiring conversations that will help you expand your mind, align with your purpose, and take action towards creating a life you love. Are you ready? Let's do this. my friends. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Align and Hustle. Today is a little bit of a longer episode. Today I'm sharing a conversation I had with my friend Lisa Campbell who is a profit strategist. But before I get into the conversation about managing your money, I wanted to touch a little bit on the energy around money. A lot of us don't really think about our relationship with money and most of us carry a lot of BS around money (laughs) and And by BS, I mean belief systems. Your money situation is a reflection of your habits related to your core values and belief systems around money. Now, for me, I realized that there are three levels of money that I needed to learn. One is how to earn it. Two is how to keep it or save it. And then three is how to grow it or invest it. Today with my friend Lisa, we're learning about the earning of of money and keeping money and problems people have with money, but I really want to talk about your mindset around money because a lot of people don't realize that subconsciously their habits are driven by how they feel about money. A lot of our beliefs around money stem from our upbringing and our environment growing up, societal beliefs or religious beliefs, and most of it, thankfully, we can unlearn. So what is a money mindset? By definition, a mindset is a deeply held belief, attitude, or assumption that we create about who we are, how the world works, what we're capable of, what we deserve, and what we believe is possible. So for instance, if you grew up in a home where life was abundant, money was readily available, you might carry around the belief that money is easy, effortless, and everywhere. However, if you grew up in a family where money was for those people, I'm doing air quotes for those. (laughs) Not for us. You have to work hard for money. If you grew up in maybe a scarcity or a lack mindset where, you know, money doesn't grow on trees was a saying that you heard a lot or we can't afford that, then you may view money a little bit differently. And that was how I grew up. I grew up in a single family income. So my dad worked and my mom stayed home and took care of the kids. We were considered middle class, again, air quotes, middle class. But I think looking back, that was kind of a stretch. We had food, we had a house, but my parents always fought about money, and there never seemed to be enough money. I remember April was always a very challenging month because that was when the house tax was due and the income tax was due. And that was an incredibly loud month in my house. And I didn't realize at the time, but my I was forming, at that time, I was forming a relationship and beliefs around money. I started to believe that there's never enough, there's not enough. People with money were better than us. I remember going to church on Sundays and there was an affluent group that hung around together. They were mostly business professionals, doctors and lawyers. I remember my mom always like looking at them as if they were better than us. I just got that feeling that somehow they were better. And I remember feeling like I was maybe a little bit, I don't know, dirty is not the right word, but I just didn't, I just had shame around not having enough money. And then I remember, you know, always hearing about, we can't afford that. And that's not for us. That's for rich people. So I'm not sure how many of you have read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad. I didn't read that book until I was in my 30s, but I started living the poor dad mentality. And basically for those who haven't read the book, the poor dad mentality is you get a good education and you get a good job, but you mostly live paycheck to paycheck. You get caught up in the rat race and you're trading money for you're trading time for money and there really isn't a lot left over. The only way I knew how to make more, was to work more. And this was fine as a teenager. I had two jobs I earned. I saved enough to go to university because my parents had saved a little bit of money for me, but that barely covered the first year of tuition. So I knew that if I wanted to get out there and get a good education, I needed to work hard and pay for it myself. I went to a school with a lot of private school kids who came from affluent families. And to keep up, I worked extra jobs to pay for all of the things that I needed to keep up with them. I had no idea how these parents could buy their kids BMWs, fund their March break trips, and pay for their education when my parents barely had enough to cover my first year tuition. And then again, that shame around, you know, not having as much money or coming from a wealthy family started to creep up on me again. And I felt, like people with money were better than me. So a lot of my friends were very flashy with their money and they had shiny cars, but I had a friend that lived downstairs from me in the apartment building that I lived in while I was away at school. And he was, you know, I thought he was like me. I thought he was paying his way through university. Um, He had a, a Jeep Cherokee, I remember, but it was like a 10 year old model and it wasn't brand new. And I just thought he was like me and One year, I remember he invited me to his family cottage in Muskoka. And I was a bit surprised because for those of you who live in Canada, Muskoka is considered Hollywood North, where, you know, Tom Hanks, Goldie Hawn, Kate Hudson, um, I think Cindy Crawford, like a bunch of celebrities have summer homes on islands in this region of northern Ontario. So I was really surprised that my friend had... A family cottage there. When I arrived, I was just amazed. This cottage was like nothing I have ever seen ever in my life. Well, maybe in movies, but never in real life. It had like an east wing, a west wing. It used to be a hotel on the lake, which is now his family cottage. His parents used to dress up. They had like formal dinnerware. They would dress up in suits and gowns and then take their boat to other neighboring cottages on the lake for dinner or drinks or pre-dinner drinks or something. Like I had no idea this type of life existed, none whatsoever. So I was just in awe of this lifestyle. And one morning I woke up and I went down for breakfast and I found my friend and his dad sitting out on the porch overlooking this beautiful lake. And they had the paper out in front of them. And I noticed that it was on the stock page. And to me, the stock's page just looks like Chinese. I had no idea how to read it. I had no idea what they were talking about. But what I noticed was that their conversation around money was so easy. It was so light. It was like they were just discussing what they had for dinner the night before. Like there was no pain. There was no pressure. There was no anxiety around money. And they were just discussing what their money was doing. I remember asking my friend later that day, like if speaking to his dad about money was like a normal, regular occurrence. And he said, yeah, we talk about it all the time. And I'm like, and it's that easy? Like, you can talk to your dad about money like that? Because I remember this reminded me of a time where my grandmother had given me $20. We were at a drive-in and she gave me $20 and she said, don't lose this money. And it was like, I had to hold on to that money with both hands. But what I did was I put it in my shoe. Donut. I don't know why I did this but I put it in my shoe and I decided I was going to run to the concession stand with this money in my shoe buy the popcorn and whatever I don't know I wanted my hands free I have no idea but I remember I lost the twenty dollars. I got to the concession stand and I went to reach into my shoe and the money wasn't there and I was so afraid to go back and tell my grandmother that I had lost the twenty dollars. I remember walking back. I remember frantically going back, retracing my steps between the cars, hoping and praying to God that I would find this money because I knew I would be in so much trouble. And then again, that mentality, just fueling the scarcity, the lack, the having to hold on to your money. It's just this belief system that was ingrained in me. And I couldn't believe how casually and comfortably, my friend and his father were discussing money. And then I realized, you know, this is why the rich people are rich. They teach their kids about money. And after that, I realized that money is a skill. And it's up to me, if I wanted to be wealthy, I needed to learn how to master that skill. So if you find yourself struggling with money, you may have some blocks or beliefs That you may have to work through. Start with how does money make you feel? Remember, it's a mindset, and your beliefs may have been passed down from generations or from your environment, society, religion. And the important thing here is to remember that those were beliefs that you learned. Those were not beliefs that you were born with. But what I want you to remember is money is a skill you can learn to master. If you'd like to learn more about money blocks or money mindset, let me know. Send me a DM or screenshot this episode and tag me on Instagram because I know that the beliefs that we have around money drive our habits that then determine whether you have a good or bad relationship with money. If you'd like to read more about the energy around money and you want to start unpacking your relationship with money, I have linked some books that have helped me in the show notes to help you on that path. Which brings me to my guest today, my friend Lisa Campbell and I have a very candid discussion about money. It's an important conversation that we need to have as women and we need to have as friends. Again, this is a really important episode that I think everyone should listen to. So without further ado, here is my money talk with Lisa Campbell. Well, hello, my friends.
1: Hello, Kathy. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well. And how are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to be talking to you. (laughs) Okay. So let's give a little bit of a background because I am joined today by my friend, Lisa Campbell, who started as a client, correct? Yeah. But now is like one of my besties. Yep. And I needed her to come on to speak about something very important to me and to everyone out there, and that is money. Why don't you introduce yourself and let everyone know what it is that you do?
1: Okay, so my name is Lisa Campbell, and I am the CEO of actually three corporations now. So I own the Markham Group, which is a profit strategy bookkeeping firm. I own Accelerate to Advisor, which is a program that I take – Uh, sort of elite bookkeepers and accountants through a process to get them out of that compliance role and more into advising their entrepreneurial clients. Um, And then my third company is Profit First Professionals Canada, where I actually train bookkeepers and accountants as well as the entrepreneurs to implement the profit first strategies in their businesses.
0: It's a busy life. You know what, when you say bookkeepers and accountants, you would think that she's really boring, but she's not. She's like super, super fun.
1: Well, what you know, I mean, hey, proper numbers is the backbone of every business, right? So I'm that very passionate so about that. True.
0: That is so true. And that is why I wanted you to come on today and speak to my audience who are female entrepreneurs or looking to start a business for themselves. And I wanted to chat a little bit about the importance of setting yourself up properly and getting started on the right foot if you wanted to start a side business. So before we go there though, let's chat about your background and why you feel so, um, let's chat about your background and why it's important for you to educate women on money.
1: Okay, sure. So I can go way back. Okay. So from the age of, I would say 18, 19 years old, I knew that I didn't want to work for somebody else. I was going to be, you know, my own boss, do my own thing. And I did that. And of course, I knew nothing about money management, right? So I basically created a job for myself, which is, you know, not what you want to do because then you have to be the one doing all the work. You are the one sort of tabling all the responsibility. You're responsible for all the cash flow and all that. And it's just, it can become such a nightmare and you can end up being the one who gets paid last, right? So Mm -hmm. that's a big issue in society in general, not even just for women, but, you know, we're talking about women here. So um, I went through that process and I've always been a very independent, strong-willed person who's very creative. I, You know, if I need to make money, I'm going to find a way to make money on my own. And way back in 2007, six or seven, um, I met a man who I ended up marrying, Mm -hmm. who um, came across as very, um, you know, successful and well-structured. And given his position, I assumed that he knew how to manage money. And I relinquished control of the money management in the household, which is not my thing. I've always been the budgeter, the one that looks after the money, that makes sure that all the bills are paid. And it was actually just quite refreshing to learn that, I could just walk away from that, and he could do it. Well, that was a huge mistake, huge mistake because what happened was he was not on the up and up as far as his success and his money management skills. Turns out he was very poor at money management, had a history of that that I knew nothing about, and he sunk us further and further into debt, uh, and alongside the you know the mindset issues that he was sort of stifling my, um, my confidence and my value. Um, on top of that, you add in building up debt, and not being able to pay down your mortgage. And you just, you you get to a point where you think I have to get out of this. And the only way I'm going to get out of this is on my own. So um, I know firsthand what it's like to be in a bad situation. I know what it's like to Um, to not have things go your way and to have to dig your way out. And so for me, it's really important that I get the message across to all women that whatever your goals are, don't let anybody tell tell you that you can't do it. And there's always a way to find out more information about what it is you're trying to achieve. You've got to lean in to other women who've gone where you're trying to go and get as much help and support as you possibly can. So I take that and then working, you know, with the accountants and the bookkeepers, to me, it's their responsibility to support the entrepreneurs that are taking the risk of creating a business. So I'm passionate about working both sides of it.
0: Okay. There's so much there that I want to unpack. So <laughs> <laughs> much. no, no, so much. So the first thing you mentioned about creating a job for yourself. So a lot of people, myself included, when I first started a business, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to start a business. But really all I did in the early days was create a job for myself. Because if I was ever to step away from that, there was nothing there to support the structure mm-hmm. so is that like is that normal for most entrepreneurs that they the view that they have of of building a business isn't really what it should
1: be it's not necessarily that the view is not what it should be. It's that they don't understand what goes into creating that. And I'll give you an example. So when I started working, um, I've always been a bookkeeper, you know, since I had my own business way back in the nineties. But when I ramped it up knowing that I had to get out of that situation and I turned it into a full-time gig, I really just sort of, Was creating a job for myself in that I had the clients and I'm sitting down doing the work. But if I don't do the work, I don't get paid, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was more when I realized I had to ramp it up. I realized that by creating systems and processes, that's how I get out. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise what happens is if I don't do the work, I, you know, things don't literally just trading time for money. exactly, exactly. But I learned that I could create systems around what I did so that I could train somebody else to do it exactly the same way I did and yet still have full control over what's happening and what is okay. the output, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of business owners, when they, when they start their business, they think, like even, let's take, for example, uh, a hairstylist mm-hmm. who wants to open up a salon, right? And maybe they've got these visions of, I'm going to have my own salon, I've got my clients coming in and whatnot same thing applies. If you don't bring on other hairstylists to either rent chairs from you or to pay commissions on their clients, it's you sitting there with a chair and your clients doing the work. And if you don't do the work, you don't get paid. So it's very common that people just sort of have these ideas of grandeur when they open up their business, but they don't think you've got to systemize everything that you do in order to build it out.
0: So technically they're taking like an employee mindset and because they own the business, They're just adopt, they're just taking that same mindset and adopting it into a different environment and not really putting in systems in place and running it like a CEO would. Is that what you're saying?
1: Exactly. 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 And here's one of the biggest downfalls is that entrepreneurs typically work harder and longer and get paid less when they keep that role where they've created a job for themselves.
0: I know, but even though the perception I know a lot of people think that, you know, you have your own business, you have all these flex hours and you have all the time in the world to travel. And now with Instagram, you know, everyone's got these beautiful lives. But really, in essence, what you're saying is true. You end up working 10 times harder.
1: You do. You do. And I can tell you firsthand, half the stuff you see on Instagram and Facebook and wherever else is fake. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's absolutely fake. It's a big show. And I mean, 82% of small businesses under 25 million live check to check. They struggle to pay payroll. They okay. borrow from their equity in their house. It creates problems in the marriage. It, there's all sorts of issues. And it's all about show. What it really is matters is what is your bottom line, actual cash profitability, and how much is the is the business dependent on you? If it's totally dependent on you, something has to give.
0: Okay. So in this time that we're going through, I've heard that saying, you know, when the tide is out, a lot of people now are swimming naked because they find that they haven't done the, the things required to keep themselves, themselves afloat in uncertain times.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What advice would you give someone who has now maybe lost their job or, you know, realize after quarantine, sitting at home, that they don't want to go back to that job anymore. They want to maybe start a side hustle or start a, start a business. What advice would you give them starting out from a money perspective to have in place before they, they take those first few steps?
1: Well, I would definitely recommend that that you create a plan um, based on, and I'm not trying to get too technical, but projections. If you're, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure it out. If you um, if you want to go into business for yourself, you have to look at what are your reasonable sales, what are your reasonable expenses, keeping in mind things like as your sales grow, your expenses are going to grow in usually direct proportion to that. So if you kind of map out where you want to be and reverse engineer a way to get there. That's going to help you a lot rather than going in blindly saying, you know, oh, I just want to, I want to do this. You, you need to know what are you trying to make? Who are you trying to serve? How much do you actually want to take home? And then the other thing I would recommend is that you, you create reserves for yourself. Remember that when you go into business for yourself and you're just a sole proprietor and you're starting out, all the money that comes into your bank account is not your paycheck. And a lot of us fall into that trap. I mean, all of a sudden the money starts flowing in and you think, wow, I'm making buckets here. This is great. And then guess what? You know, six months later, you get the tax bill and you've got nothing because you've been living this life of grandeur or whatever with this newfound money. So I would strongly recommend that people do a minimum of two things. Okay. One, put 15% aside for taxes. Mm -hmm. right? That's really, really important to do that. The other thing, actually I'm going to give you three. The the second thing would be to make sure you reserve your sales tax because you have to charge GST or HST, depending on where you are. You got to make sure that you reserve that money. That's not your money. It's in trust. Mm -hmm. Absolutely in trust for the government and the government's going to come looking for it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I'm going to say, the last thing is try to put um, reserves aside, even if you can do 1% of your revenue and stick that in a separate account and don't touch it. The idea there is that you want to build up three months, a minimum of three months of your operating expenses in a reserve account. And I can tell you firsthand, the clients that I've worked with um, prior to this pandemic have got the reserve sitting in their accounts. So this pandemic is not affecting them the way it would somebody who was, you know, already living check to check.
0: And that's scary to me because a lot of a lot of, the, what's the percentage of the population that lives check to check?
1: Quite a bit. Well, the business world is 82%. That live check to check? Check to check. Check to check meaning in your business, you're waiting for your customers to pay you. So, you know, a customer pays you, you get a check. Oh, great. I can now place this order. And then the next customer pays you a check. Okay, great. I might have enough to cover payroll. We don't want to live like that. We need to pre-plan it.
0: I know that that just gives me heart palpitations because it reminds me of the first year that I started my business and I started as a newborn photographer in my, in my basement. My basement was my studio and literally I was spending everything I was making for my daughter's dance. Mm
1: -hmm. She was in
0: competitive dance and I was everything that came in. I was like, woohoo, more costumes. Woohoo.
1: Yep. That's what (laughs) happens.
0: Yeah. And then luckily I had just started, so I wasn't making a lot of money in my first year, Mm -hmm. but I learned, you know, the hard way, which I don't want for anyone. So this is one of the reasons also that we're doing this.
1: Yeah. And you know what, I can tell you something about that as well. If you start off on the right foot, with your reserve accounts for your taxes and your sales tax and then your reserve funds, you're starting off in a great spot because you're running your business like a well-oiled machine as far Mm -hmm. as the cash flow is concerned. Where I tend to work a lot of the times is with businesses that – didn't start out that way so not only are we trying to make their operation lean we are also trying to service the debt that they've accumulated over the oh. years that they've been in business so it's almost like a double whammy so yeah. when you're starting out properly you're not dealing with the debt issue you can already go right into starting to build your reserves making sure that you have the money for taxes um put aside so you don't get any surprises down the road it doesn't that, that
0: we just kind of constantly feel like you're drowning if you have to that's much
1: more difficult right paying off the debt at the same time. Yeah. Oh, it's insane. Because it it, it, you've got to look at not only do you have your already current expenses that you're trying to keep up with. And you know, sometimes we're just barely staying above water. But now we also have these huge payments that we have to pay back, whether it's credit cards or loans or whatever it is, it has to be paid back. So Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to carry both.
0: Mm. Okay, so now that Having said that I remember what you said when you were giving your background a little bit about relinquishing control to your husband oh. for all the personal debt. Yeah. Because some of my some of my listeners are are not in business but might be stay at home and are in the same situation where they have no idea about any of the household investments or expenses.
1: Can we, can you unpack that one a little bit more? Sure, sure. So here's what I say to young people who are just getting married. Okay. Cause you know, they've got these visions of, of what's going to happen in their marriage and everything's going to be perfect. And you know, I can tell you firsthand finances is a huge source of struggle in a marriage. Okay? So mm-hmm. I always recommend to young people, yes, have your joint account for the household expenses, but you must maintain your own finances because no two people spend the same way or think of debt or investment the same way. So you're just opening yourself up to for struggle. Yes, or value it's
0: a, the same things, right? Exactly, exactly. Yes.
1: So and you know, you can see things like um if, if you pool all your money into one account and maybe he makes a little bit more or you make a little bit more or, you know, you don't feel like you could just go out and buy a pair of shoes or he doesn't feel like he can just go out with the guys and grab a bunch of drinks, there's always going to be a money issue. You spent more. You spent more. We're not saving yeah. enough. You know, what's happening? It just it doesn't work. So let's just eliminate the problem from the beginning. You started off with your own bank accounts. Keep your own bank accounts. Your paychecks go into your bank account. His go into his. And you come up with an agreement for the household. And you come up with an agreement for retirement planning or investment, whatever it is that you want to do. But you pull that money out and you keep that separate. The rest of it is your ongoing um, sort of day-to-day living expenses where you need to feel like you can spend what you want to spend because you're in control of that. Now, If you are already in a marriage and you don't have any idea what's going on with the finances, I would strongly encourage everyone to get a handle on it. Get involved, ask questions. If your partner is against it, that to me is a red flag. What's Mm -hmm. wrong? What's going on? What do they not want you to see? And I've been there. I had my husband actually show me bogus budgets where they were items missing. And he never actually asked about my background. He had no idea what my financial background was that I could actually create or read a budget. So I would find all these little loopholes. And it became an issue every single time, because he thought that he was sort of superior in that area. Mm -hmm. And I would call him out on things that were missing. And it was just it was insane. So the more you can educate yourself about how things work in your household, and keep those finances separate, the the more you're going to benefit in the long run.
0: And what if you're from a one income household?
1: Oh, you mean he makes the money and you don't? Mm-hmm. Okay, you're in the marriage. So you can't really keep it separate. But in that situation, what I would do is maybe have a, um, first of all, get yourself involved. Just because he's the one that actually brings home the bacon, mm-hmm. you are the one you know, holding down the household and maybe the kids and whatever else it is that's going on. I have seen in the past, Uh, in in sort of the, let's call it the olden days where, you know, maybe back in the (laughs) fifties or sixties or even the seventies where, you know, a woman would typically give up her career, right. So that she could Mm -hmm. raise her kids and Mm -hmm. the husband would almost give her an allowance. That was her spending money. There was the household money and then there was the spending money. And she, you know, back in those days, it was hard for a woman even to get a checking account, right? And I know someone, I'm thinking of someone. Oh my gosh, I know a few people that have said that. Yeah. So if that's the situation, you're in a long-term, you know, relationship or marriage or whatever it is, and that's the situation, then use that separate play money whatever you want to call it and manage it properly make sure that you you know put money aside for savings you put money aside for uh, rainy day funds whatever it is that you want to do in your own life you can't go through life as a woman not having any understanding or any control of finances because money gives you power and it gives you choice in a relationship. And I learned that the hard way as well. I knew that when I was in that situation of not not knowing what was going on with the household finances and not being able to stand on my own two feet as far as generating enough revenue through my part-time business to be able to support my kids, I knew that that left me with no choice. That's exactly where he wanted me, but that's not where I wanted to be. So Lisa, how did you
0: come out of that? Because that seems like it was a pretty grim situation at the end.
1: It was, but you reach you, you reached sort of that final straw. I knew from myself that I was disappearing. I knew that I wasn't the same person I was. I actually had family members saying to me, you know, where's Lisa? Where'd she go? Because they know I'm always headstrong. I've always been entrepreneurial, very creative, very opinionated. Mm-hmm. Um, and here I was sort of sort of shrinking down into this little, not going to say anything, not going to argue let's cause it was easier to just keep the peace, just keep your mouth shut. Mm -hmm. And just, it's just easier that way, but I couldn't live like that anymore. So I knew that um, the only way I was going to change is if I had money to back it up, to make, you know, to have choice. So I knew that I had to dive into to building up my business more to make more money, to be able to support the kids. Um, and I just worked tirelessly at it I, because, you know, they say if if you want change, you have to actually make it happen. And yet you're exhausted. You don't want to put more work into develop, developing systems and processes in your business so that you can get more of those higher end clients so that you can have more revenues and, and whatnot. Um, but you actually have to buckle down and just do it because this is one point I want to drive home. Everyone has choice. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. It's what we do with those 24 hours that makes the difference, right? I could sit there and binge watch Netflix, or I could do something that's actually going to change and improve the conditions of my life.
0: Well, that's a lot of, I feel like a lot of people are stuck in avoidance when it comes to money anyway, either they don't want to talk about it, they're Mm -hmm. afraid of it but really education is number one, correct? Or finding. And what about talking about, it seems to be money is a taboo subject to even talk about amongst friends even. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, I think people are in competition, you know, going back to the pretend lives that we see all over social media. Everybody kind of wants to one up the other one. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know I remember friends from years ago, back in the nineties, I remember thinking, you know, wow, I own a business, and yet these guys are so successful. Like, look at their house; it's beautifully decorated and all that. Um, you know, they've got great cars in the driveway. And then, you know, things come out later on where they were struggling and they were in debt up to their eyeballs. If you're having money struggles as as a person, I think pride gets in the way there. You know, you, you're already doing your best to sort of keep up with the Joneses as you go, and you want to be included in in you know, whatever circle of friends that you you surround yourself with, you're not going to pour your heart out on, on the table about your, you know, your, your debt issues. I live that. I, there was no way I was going to let my friends and family know what my ex-husband was doing in our financial situation because he had three very high-end cars on the driveway. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to admit, you know, we were in debt up to our eyeballs and we owed back taxes and all that. There was no way. It's just, I think it's a pride issue. So what was the first step that you took to get out of that situation? Build up my business enough. I knew what my revenue goals would be. I knew what I had to put away for taxes to make sure that the revenue that I was taking was my own because I needed that to support my kids. So I looked at you know, what, were, um, what was housing costs in my area because I wanted to keep the kids in the same school district. They were all, back, they were all in school back then. Um, so I had to look at what would I need sort of as my monthly nut to actually take home to be able to do this. Uh, and so I built my business up and up and up until I got to that point. And then I went a little bit past that point because I need, th- I need to have that little bit of reserve, right? A Little bit mm-hmm. of comfort zone. Um, and so I got it to the point where I was able to bring somebody else on to work with me because I had systemized, which created more revenues, even though I'm pay- paying somebody else, it just shifted me up a level so that I was he- dealing with more high-end work rather than sort of the day-to-day stuff. Um, and then, you know, I, I found that the more business was getting bigger and better and the more money was there and the more I was consistently managing it properly, I felt like I had choice. And I think that's what gave me sort of the, the courage and the, and the fuel to actually take more steps. Money Money has a huge impact on your confidence as far as getting out of a bad situation. Mm-hmm.
0: Even if you're not in a bad situation, I found that when I first left my corporate job, that was a really big step for me to do. Mm-hmm. To To leave that was a big, like it was a big hurdle for me at mm-hmm. first, because, but then, you know, wanting to stay home with the kids was more of a, more of a driver. So, but the one thing that I struggled with the most was I felt as if I was leaving my independence behind as well, mm-hmm. because now I was relying, I was pretty much putting ev- all my eggs in one basket and relying mostly on my husband to support us. And the fact, like, I'm like you, the reason I think we're, so, we're good friends is we have a lot of similarities, but I have been working for myself. Like I, I had a vision of what I wanted for my life. And I was 14, 12, 14, working, earning money because I wanted to get to university I had this whole vision and I was just go, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. Let's do this. Get me where I need to go. And now I was taking this huge step backwards, I felt. And for the first two years, I remember feeling like I was worthless because I was not contributing to the household the way that I used to be. And that I was like pretty much like I was just giving everything over to my husband.
1: I know that feeling. I know that feeling exactly. When I first had my two kids, now this is a different husband. I've been married twice. <laughs> but my first husband, no, he and I are great. We're, we're good friends. Um, we, we were both making, I think at the time we were both making about $50,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And then we had our first child and it, we decided that as a couple, it was more important for me to be home with the baby mm-hmm. and for him to go to work. And we, uh, okay, we're going to drop our income by half. And I remember the feeling of, just like you just said just you didn't feel valued you didn't feel like you were contributing i hated the thought of having to clear my spending through him or god well, forbid that having was to the worst. Yeah, i remember asking. once
0: buying a dress for a wedding and i was i was just being grilled on why i spent this mo- so much money on a dress and i was yeah. like we're going out to a wedding but i just felt
1: I felt like I had done something bad Yeah, and all I did was spend money. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing, because you make a decision as a couple that this is what's best for your family. And yet we tend to still view it as his money. Mm-hmm. It's not, this is family money. When you make that choice. And I know a lot of people do, and sometimes it's the dads that stay home. Mm-hmm. But when you as a couple make a choice that one of you is going to be home with the kids and one of you is going to go earn the paycheck That doesn't make it just their paycheck, but it is a very hard pill for women to swallow. And yeah, it does make you feel like you're giving up your independence because in a way you are in your own mind. It's not that that you actually are. It's just that you don't have the financial means to stand on your own two feet, which makes us take a step backwards and go, okay, now I'm not worth as much or now I don't have much of a say.
0: Sorry to to interrupt you. That's okay. That was one of the key drivers for me to ramp up my business and actually start a full-time business instead of having this little side hustle that paid for my daughter's extracurricular because mm-hmm. I just, I wanted my independence again. I want, and I did exactly what you said and I didn't even know you at the time, but I did. I ramped up the systems where I learned after the first year, you know, it wasn't, I didn't do things properly. And then I ramped up the systems so that, and we do have separate accounts and it changed our, I think, I, I really think it changed our marriage, but we still have, money is always the issue, I think. Always. We still have little bickery fights.
1: Yeah, I think I think people are always going to have little fights about money, but it they really get minimized when you keep those finances separate. That is really important. And I I mean, I'm not a psychologist, I can't speak to really the, the mind issues behind Unless it.
0: Unless you decide to go and renovate, that reno, then that's a big <laughs> Well, That's a totally different story we've all been there for sure, for sure. yeah. Okay, so we did the three things that that um business owners could do to get themselves set up on the right mm-hmm. foot. What about, so let's just recap the three mistakes that
1: women are making with their money. Okay. So, not having it separate, keep your finances separate from your partners. Okay. Even if it's, even if you live with your sister for the rest of your life, like it's not mutual money when you both have different revenue streams coming in. Okay. Partner it up as far as combined expenses, but keep your regular expenses separate or, sorry, income and expenses as well. The other thing would be to um, if you're not familiar with what's going on in the household income right now, find out, ask, educate yourself about money management. And then the final thing I would say is, you know, don't overspend. If you've just started up a business or, you know, whatever the income situation is in your house, know what your limits are. You do have tax obligations. You do have, you know, household expenses that you need to cover. So going out and racking up your credit cards is insane. If you've got the money and you, and you feel like you can give it up because you want to buy something specific, then make sure that that's, it's a, 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 a reality. It's not a want, a want, a want, and you go and just rack up your credit cards because remember that you have to pay those credit cards back.
0: Hmm. What if someone does have their credit cards all racked up? How would they get out of there?
1: Oh, I would do what's called a snowball effect. Uh, so it's a debt elimination sort of program that we put would put you on. There's a whole spreadsheet. I can actually give you the link to that. Um, where oh, you, That would be good yeah, because I, I can. think a
0: lot of women do overspend on it, right? For sure,
1: for sure. Yeah. It's David Ramsey's, he called it, he coined it the snowball effect. And people will typically think that, you know, if you've got 25 credit cards and they're all racked up, you're going to get rid of the highest interest. Hey, when I was younger, I knew someone who had 18 of them racked up. I put them on a plan, and I was only in my 20s at the time, but I knew enough, right? How to do this put them on a plan, 18, are you 18 Eight. credit cards racked up. And this person was in their early twenties, but you know, oh, they MG. give, they give cards to kids all the time. Right. And the kids think I need to establish a credit rating because that's what everybody else is doing, but they think it's free money. So this mm-hmm. person had their credit cards racked up. What you do is put it on a snowball plan. So that means you take the highest, uh, sorry, the lowest balance, regardless of what the interest rate is, and you get rid of that credit card balance first, because that gives you mentally a sigh of relief. You cleared one off. So you would do that, but then you you take that same monthly payment that you would have used on that card, and you snowball that on the next lowest balance card. So you have your minimum payment, Plus the payment you would have made on the other card, and you start snowballing the debt on that card until it's eliminated. So let's say for example, you've got a card that's got you know five hundred dollars on it and then a thousand and then a two thousand and then a three thousand, right? So you would start with the 500 pay your minimum payment and pay whatever extra you can on that $500 card limit, right? That $500 is now wiped out. Then you take that same amount of money that you would have paid on that $500 card and you add it to the minimum payment that you would on the next $1,000 card until that gets um, eliminated. And it happens faster and faster. That's why it's called a snowball because all of a sudden it's hard to sort of do it vocally rather than visually. Mm-hmm. But you, if you could picture the snowball picking up you know more momentum. and more snow and momentum yeah. as it rolls down the hill, it's the same thing with your money. You're adding dollars to your debt reduction plan in a way that's effective and fast.
0: Mm. I guess that would help, right? Because you think, how am I going to do this? This is getting so overwhelming. But by doing one like you said you build up the confidence you build up the momentum mm-hmm. then it becomes a habit and then you're just slowly paying it off and it's getting paid and you're not really putting a lot of effort into it.
1: Absolutely. And one of the key things I forgot to mention in there is what we call a debt freeze. You cannot continue to use the cards to make that effective. You've got to mm-hmm. stop, like cut mm-hmm. them up, don't shop. If you don't have the money physically in your bank account because you've made a little reserve bank account for yourself. If you don't have the money there, you can't buy it. Period. That's just behavior. We all want everything. But you get to a point where the stress of dealing with your debt load isn't worth that new pair of shoes or that fancy dress or whatever,
0: that vacation
1: that you can't afford.
0: Right. It's so important. This is such an important conversation. I'm so glad that we're having it. Because as a woman that was in the situation that you were in and you were feeling so desperate to now being so empowered... What is it like? What's the, what is your life like from one to the other? Like, What is the benefit of getting a hold of your money? Like, How do you feel? Oh, my, well, first of all,
1: I wake up every day with the thought of what am I gonna create today? Who am I gonna help? I don't ever come to work, which is in my home. I don't ever come down to my office and think, oh, I have to work today. I don't ever think I have to report to somebody. Or I have to justify this or that or anything like that. It gives you such a new sort of release on your your own possibilities. I know that I can create whatever I want to create in this world. I can get whatever message I want across. I can help whoever I want because I have the tools to do so. I've learned from my own experience. I've learned from my own mistakes. Um, I know how to manage money very well now because I made the effort to learn. Um, and it just, it changes your entire mindset. I know that if there's something that I want, I will find a way to make it happen, but I do it in a responsible way, not in a debt-ridden way. I will never have debt again. I will never owe taxes again because I make sure that I do that up front.
0: You've proven that it's possible, right? Well, to live a life on your own terms. Yeah. Yeah. We're going
1: to write that book. I know that you I did took the... the cover shot for. Yes. You took, can I, can I share that? Yeah, sure. Okay, so in, in, my, in my branding photo shoot, Kathy did a, a mock-up of a book that I'm committed to writing this year, and it's all about, uh, for women, living life on your own terms. And to me, that is such a powerful message that I need to get out there, because no woman should feel stifled or stuck because of money. There's always things you can learn about money. There's always ways around the situation that you're in. And so it's, it's almost like this personal mission that, first of all, I think that everyone needs to understand that they do have value. They bring value to the table. And the other thing I want to make sure that everybody understands is that there's always a way to manage the money to help make your vision, your own personal vision, a reality. Because we don't have the money, be the downfall of the dream.
0: Why I mocked up? I have goosebumps because you have to see. I, I, there was one image that Lisa, in her in her message and her voice, is so confident and so inspiring, and just empowers women. And there was one shot that I just I just said, you need to write a book because this is the cover, and we joke
1: about it, but it's in the works. It is. And I've posted it on my social media to hold myself accountable because it's right there. It, again, it's one of those things. You saw it. I know I need to get the message across. And by actually creating a, a, a physical, tangible image of it, it, it's, it's going to happen because right. I want it to happen. So therefore I'm going to make it happen. Right? Oh, I know you will, Lisa.
0: You are such a powerhouse. Well, thank
1: you, Kathy. <laughs> I just love
0: you to death and I thank you so much for spending this time with me today because I really think this well the book you're about to write is important but this conversation today was just as important.
1: Well, I had a great time talking to you and I I think I, one of the things I love is that we are in so so in sync, you know, our visions for the future and our and our messages that we both want to get across to women. Because let's face it, we're not spring chickens anymore.
0: <laughs> no, we aren't. But you know, no. that's important about surrounding yourself with people who share your dream. I'm getting heads to toe goosebumps right now as I say this. But if the people that you have around you are not cheering for you, are not lifting you up, if you're not lifting them up, if you're not elevating and supporting each other, then it's time to get a new circle. Because... I can't even tell you how important it is and how great you feel when you have friends around you that are walking in the same direction. And it's, it's.
1: Yeah, I get it. A hundred percent. You've got to surround yourself with people that are. Like minded.
0: Yeah. Like minded
1: first. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I, you know, now that you mentioned that, I just got to bring up this point. I remember before I had left that horrible situation that I was in, I remember having a daily struggle because I'm, I pride myself on trying to always see the silver lining and always be the optimist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the daily struggle of fighting his negative energy while I'm trying to build up my own all on my own you know and just nobody needs to put up with that. So I'm really happy that you're doing the work that you're doing and getting this out there and reaching more women because we learn things in life and I think it's our responsibility to pass it on to other women to help them as well. I know I'm saying that money mondays it's going to be a thing. We'll do, we're up. not sure what we're going to call it. But <laughs> it'll be on the subject of money and it'll be on mondays. <laughs>
0: No, because I have to say, I don't even know if I'll edit this out or if I'll keep it in. But that part about the negative, like when I was growing up, you didn't talk about money. You didn't talk about, but we were always the poor people. Like the Mm -hmm. people had more, those people were better. Those people were this. And I grew up with this belief around money that one, I would never be able to earn it. But in the back of my mind, I always had this little whisper saying, yes, you can. You can get out of here. You can do it. You can, cause I remember even driving with my dad once and we passed this house and I was like, dad, we should, you know, buy that house. Cause we were looking for a new home, a family home. And he's like, no, 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 no. We can't afford that. And I'm like, why can't we afford it? Why not? Mm, yeah. And then he was like, get your head out of the clouds. We don't have that kind of money. That's for other people. Or, you know, we can't go to vacations here because that's for other people. That's not for us. And deep down, I was like, something is seriously wrong there. Because if I want that life, I can make it for myself. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast, because I want women to know if it's out there, someone else has done it and you can figure out how to do it too. Mm -hmm. And this conversation to me is so important because money has always been such a monkey on my back for the longest time. And I learned about it. I educated myself. I surrounded myself with people like you. Look what you made of yourself. Anything is possible. But literally, having people, getting back to my surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded, positive, and do, dreamers, but also doers, because that's really important, right? You can wish for things, you can, but you need to put the steps in place to get where you need to
1: go. Absolutely. And don't complain about your current situation. If you don't like your current situation, change it
0: let's just say someone doesn't really want, know a lot about money. Where can, like, what book would you recommend? I'm oh my put gosh. It in the resources.
1: There's so many books. Um, have you
0: read this one? Unshakable by Tony Robbins?
1: No, I have not. Um, I'm That's looking more at about book. investing.
0: That's not a starter book.
1: No, are you talking about investing or learning about money in general? Well, I'm saying
0: unshakable is more about investing, but I wouldn't start there. What <laughs> book changed your life? Like what was the one that kind of- Actually,
1: started? it's I don't have a single book that changed my life. I have a series of events. My stepfather, when I was 18 years old, refused to do my taxes for me. I didn't know how to do them and I had to do a tax return. So he said, figure it out. So I learned how to do my taxes- for myself online. And then I thought, well, that was a lot of work because I needed to add all this stuff up and check all that and whatnot. And I think I was working part-time and had a little side hustle going. So then I learned how to do sort of a basic bookkeeping um, ledger inside an old program called Quicken, and that was back in the 90s. Oh, I
0: remember Quicken. Yes,
1: yes. And so I learned how to do that. And then when I opened up my first business, I really needed a handle on the work because I had payroll and all that stuff as well. So I went to school at night and I took accounting and I fell in love with it. That's how I did. I don't know. There's, you can this take is accounting. How I don't know how we're friends. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know it's really weird. You either love it or you hate it, right? Um, but I loved it. I loved the business end of it. I loved, to me, me money is a universal language. It's it's not that there's a right or a wrong, but there's a fine balancing act to all of it. Anything that you want, you can do it if you if you reverse engineer it. If you go in blindly and you have no goals, it's very hard to achieve what you want to achieve without getting into problems and running out of money. So it's not really one specific book. It's a series of events. But I can tell you, there is a um, um, I have what's called a, a free profit strategy hub. Which actually sort of explains a lot of the basics of money and how to move money through your business. So I'm happy to give your listeners the link to that. It's Ooh. it's a free resource. They just you have to put your email in to get access. But I do not pester people with emails at all. Um, that's an option that I like to provide for clients who aren't really ready to work with me, you know, as a client, that sort of thing. But I still want to help them out. So any of your listeners that want access to that material that's in there, okay. So I will
0: link that up for my readers in the show notes. However, if for the female entrepreneurs or the mompreneurs out there and they are going into business, what is the number one book that you would recommend for them? Because I know there's one. Absolutely. (laughs) Hands
1: down, game changer. It's called Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. uh, And it is a cash flow management system that is very easy to implement and it's based on behavior so you don't have to know how to read income statements and balance sheets and cash flow statements it teaches you how to manage the cash behaviorally based on the bank balances that you can pull up on your phone so it's really easy you can actually inside that profit strategy hub which is kind of geared towards female entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general um you can actually download the first two chapters. I think it is for free inside there. I love this. Yeah, it is fantastic. I know Mike personally, I work with him several times a year in the mastery program. Great guy. He, again, is a person coming from a place of being of service. He knows things about how to move money around. He knows how to explain it. Um, And it's it's basically the envelope system for business. So Mm -hmm. if you're not in business, establish, take the same principles and create the envelope system for yourself in your home. Remember the grandmothers used to, you know, My mother-in-law uses paper clips. Yes, you get. <laughs> yeah, so you 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 know she'd work her part-time job and cash her paycheck, and then she'd split it either into envelopes or to jars. And depending on how big the paycheck was, right? This is how much we have for groceries. This is how much we have for the mortgage. This is how much I can give to the kids to go get mm-hmm. candy. Mm-hmm. But she didn't steal from other envelopes. No. If if it was a no, good there paycheck was week,
0: a paper clip and a
1: little post. Yes, yes. So if it was a good paycheck week, the family got meat, right? Yeah. If it was a bad paycheck week, dinner was beans or rice or whatever it is that she could use to stretch that dollar. So you have to think that same way in your own personal finances and in your business. It's really, really important that you do that because again, going back to the whole credit and debt issue, if you, if you spend outside of what you actually have and don't have a system for knowing what you can spend um you're going to run into trouble and then you've got double duty you're trying to run lean and pay back stuff that you spent already and it's now sitting there in debt next
0: um next time we get together i want to talk about talking to your kids about money because they don't teach money in school and nope. this is this is the issue i had growing up i had no idea my parents were you know eastern european um second generation immigrants yeah and it was just getting from like from survive to thrive, like they didn't have anything left over and it was constantly scrounging. And Mm -hmm. I didn't, my parents told me go get a good education, get a good job. That was it. That was my money education.
1: Yeah, that's it. And that's not good. So yeah, we'll definitely talk about kids.
0: So Lisa, again, thank you so, so much for being here. I so appreciate your time and I look forward to having you on the show again because i'm sure we're going to get a lot of questions and we're going to have to bring you back
1: well kathy's been awesome having this conversation with you i love that we're on the same path i look forward to coming back and you know working together more to to get the message out there to the women that are listening that they can do it thank you so much Lisa.
0: well beauty that's a wrap Thank you so much for taking the time and listening to today's episode. If you loved what you just listened to or know someone who would, please share it. Share on your Instagram by simply taking a screenshot and adding to your Instagram stories. Be sure to tag me so I can send some love back your way. For all the resources and links mentioned in this episode, please check out the podcast page on my website, www.kathyspence.com. And lastly, if you found this information valuable, please subscribe to Align and Hustle so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. See you soon.